0: Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is November 13th. Today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block, and next week we're going to be studying Doctrine and Covenants Sections 133 and 134. But for now, let's finish up Doctrine and Covenants Section 132. Now, if you'll remember, we talked yesterday about how this section primarily deals with God's commandment for plural marriage. But I want to take a look at a principle that we're given here. And let's pull it out of that context a little bit, because essentially God is giving a principle of plural marriage here, but God's truth, an eternal truth, an enduring truth is a truth that can be true, whether it's applied to a myriad of different principles. So here, yes, God is talking about plural marriage, but this is also true of any covenant, any ordinance that we partake of with God. So let's take a look at what God is trying to teach us here about ordinances and covenants. In verse five, it says, for all who will have a blessing at my hands shall abide the law, which was appointed for that blessing. Now that sounds familiar, right? Two sections ago, Doctrine and Covenants section 130 verses 20 and 21, there is a law irrevocably decreed In heaven, before the foundations of this world, upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. So, our Father in heaven has all these blessings that he wants to give us, but he has certain things that he asks us to do, not to earn those blessings, but to qualify ourselves for those blessings. Do you see the distinction between those two things? It might seem really small or really nuanced, but it's a very important thing to understand. We don't earn God's blessings. We don't win them, but we do create the conditions that allow ourselves to receive his blessings through our obedience. And that's what this scripture is saying here. If we want to receive a blessing from God, we have to abide the law, which was appointed. And here, the blessing that's being spoken about is that blessing of forever families. It's that promise of, it's that promise that death cannot keep us from our family relationships. That when we resurrect, we don't resurrect as one single person. We resurrect as a unit because we've been sealed together, not just for time, but for eternity. It's that promise of eternal life, eternal families and eternal increase. But then the scripture goes on and says that the blessings have to abide the law, which was appointed for that blessing and the conditions thereof as were instituted from before the foundations of the world. So let's skip verse six for just a second. We'll come back to it, but let's take a look at verse seven at the conditions that God has for us as we make covenants with him, whether that's, the covenant of marriage, whether it's the covenant of baptism, whether it's any of the covenants and ordinances that we partake of in the temple. Verse 7 says, And verily I say unto you that the conditions of this law are these, all covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations that are not made and entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise by him who is anointed. Now it goes on. It's a super long verse, but let's take a look at these specific things. It says anything that we are going to do, any covenant that we are going to make with God, we have to enter into, yes, but it also has to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Meaning it's not enough that we just live our life however we want to live, and then go obtain these covenants. That's not enough. The Holy Spirit of promise comes and it testifies of those covenants as we enter into those covenants in righteousness and in worthiness. It's interesting. When I was on my mission, my mission president was talking about this very thing, and he was going along and talking, and then he said, I can't understand why some missionaries think that they can do whatever they want up until the night before they go to the temple and then go through the temple and think that it means anything. And then he said, the Holy Spirit of promise will not seal covenants that were not made in righteousness. And then he went on and he kept teaching. And about five minutes later, all of a sudden he stopped talking and he got super silent. And then he said, I need to clarify something. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be. And so my friends, As we make covenants with our Father in heaven, He's not asking us for our perfection, but He's asking us for repentant hearts. He's asking for our worthiness so that the Holy Spirit of promise can seal those covenants. President Nelson once said, His essential ordinances bind us to Him through sacred priesthood covenants. Then, as we keep our covenants, He endows us with His healing, strengthening power. So yes, we make these covenants and we bind ourselves to the Lord, and that is so important. But it's as we're obedient, as we're true to our covenants, then we obtain power in our covenants. So that's the first condition, that condition of worthiness so that the Holy Spirit of promise can seal our covenants. And then the second is that it has to be done by someone who is anointed to do it. There has to be authority It's interesting. Every single earthly marriage recognizes that there is no authority for the promised blessings of eternal relationships. Usually, that phrase starts out by saying, by the power vested in me, by the state of California, or by marriagecertificates.com, right? They state their authority, and it's not God's authority. But then, secondly, they say, Your husband and wife, till death do you part for this life. Only. That phrase in and of itself recognizes the lack of authority to provide the eternal blessings that God is trying to give us the eternal life, the eternal families, and the eternal increase that God is anxious to bless us with. So those blessings have to come to us through our worthiness so that we can receive the Holy Spirit of promise and by correct authority. And now let's go back to verse 6. And take a look at why our Heavenly Father wants to give this to us. He says, And as pertaining to the new and everlasting covenant, it was instituted for the fullness of my glory, and he that receiveth the fullness thereof must and shall abide the law, or he shall be damned. Now, sometimes I think we misunderstand what the new and everlasting covenant really is. Sometimes I think we think it pertains only to marriage or maybe even only to plural marriage. But Joseph Fielding Smith once taught, Now there is a clear-cut definition in detail of the New and Everlasting Covenant. It is everything, the fullness of the gospel. So marriage properly performed, baptism, ordination to the priesthood, everything else— Every contract, every obligation, every performance that pertains to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, according to his law given, is part of the new and everlasting covenant. So my friends, Heavenly Father gives us all these things, all of these covenants, all of these ordinances for the following reason, so that we could obtain a fullness of his glory. The scripture here says so that we won't be damned, but let's not think of damned as hellfire and damnation. Let's think of it as a dam that stops progression. Our father in heaven gives us covenants and he gives us ordinances so that we can continue day by day, line upon line, precept upon precept, growing into a fullness of his glory, growing into becoming more like him.